Are you wanting to live a life with more clarity and happiness? I'm Tammy Hill, a licensed marriage and family therapist, sex therapist, professor at Brigham Young University, and most importantly, a wife, mother, and grandmother. I am also an optimist. I strive to live my life on purpose, with purpose. I am here to inspire people to do the things that inspire them so that together each of us can change our world for the better. Join me for my Live Your Why podcast. Together we can live a life full of passion and purpose. Hi, this is Tammy Hill and this is the Live Your Why podcast. A few things are unique today. First of all, my guest, who happens to be my husband, Jeff Hill, is in the studio and I'm home remote. So it might sound just a little bit different as you listen in. Today, I wanted to interview Jeff. Big changes are happening in our lives. Jeff and I are finishing up our time at BYU this week, and I wanted to give him an opportunity to share a little bit about his experiences at BYU. And I especially wanted you to be able to listen in to one of the most amazing people I've ever known and learn a little bit about his why. So join me today as we talk to Jeff Hill about his time at BYU. So today I have on the podcast probably my most favorite person in the universe. And he might be the best person I've ever met actually in my entire life. And I am excited to interview today my husband, Dr. Jeff Hill, who is retiring from BYU. This will be his last week teaching on campus. He's been there for a while. He's legendary. And I wanted to interview him today and talk a little bit about what he's learned at BYU. So welcome, Jeff. You are so nice. You are too nice. I'm so blessed to be your husband. Thank you. So you'll be hanging up your hat at BYU. This week is your last lecture on campus. I want to share with my listeners some of the life lessons you've experienced here at BYU from young Jeff to older, but still sexy Jeff. (laughs) that sound okay? That sounds good. Thanks for thinking I'm still sexy. (laughs) That's so good. Okay. We'll start out for when you came to BYU as a high school graduate. Why did you decide to come to BYU? Okay. I do want to say that as I'm completing my career at BYU, I'm intensely sad, but intensely excited. I am so sad because I've loved this experience so much, and I appreciate this opportunity to kind of talk about from my young Jeff stage until today. And I am very excited to be retiring. So why did I come to BYU? I, I have to tell you that as a high school graduate, I was not very strong in my testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And frankly, BYU was not my first choice. I applied to Harvard, to the University of Washington, and kind of as a fallback position, uh, BYU. But Harvard didn't accept me, and the University of Washington accepted me, but didn't offer me a scholarship. And BYU offered me a full tuition 
four-year scholarship. And since my dad was very much into me paying my own way, that was the deciding factor. I could go to BYU for free, uh, and I would have had to pay thousands of dollars to go to the University of Washington. That said, even though BYU was my third choice, I am eternally grateful that I came to BYU. It was the defining point in my life, and because I came to BYU, I am the person that I am today, and I'm certain because I came to BYU, today I'm married to you. Mm. That's interesting because when I was growing up, BYU was not going to be a place I went to school. I did not want to go to BYU. I wanted to rebel against the rest of my family who all came to BYU. So I went to USU. So it's been really weird, not now, but when I started teaching 10 years ago, thinking that I was teaching at BYU felt like I was betraying myself somewhat. (laughs) And I have to tell you, when I started at BYU for the first two or three weeks, I just thought everyone was so stupid because they were so different than people that I knew. and, and, And they were just so sweet. And I thought they are not real. Uh, But uh, then I had some experiences to realize that, oh, they had something that I really needed to learn from. Well, you're so sweet like that. So obviously they rubbed (laughs) off on you. That's right. I think they did affect me as well. Who were some of the more influential professors or one, one or two professors that really significantly impacted your life? Uh, The first one was in my freshman year. Uh, we were required to take a Book of Mormon. And my professor was John M.R. Covey. Uh, he is Stephen Covey, who is very famous. He's uh, his brother and was uh, an exceptional teacher of the Book of Mormon. And a life-changing experience that came was when I was taking that class And I had the strongest impression that I needed to find out if the Book of Mormon was true. I had never read it. And so I remember walking out of that class, and I think that we were in 2 Nephi or something like that, and I had the impression I had to read it. So I walked out of his class. I started reading the Book of Mormon from where we were. And as I walked to the dorms, I read it. As I was in the cafeterias, I read it. I read it in our study room until I fell asleep, and I read it the next day. I finished the Book of Mormon the next day and had a remarkable experience. I went up to a place past the Y and prayed about the Book of Mormon. And for lots of people, it doesn't come this easy, but for me— I just knew it was true. I knew it was for me. And uh, that changed my life a lot. So uh, John Covey was very influential. Uh, Later on, when I was in my master's program, I would say the other major influencer was J. Bonner Ritchie. He is a unique professor, but what he taught me was to be responsible for my own learning. I had really been a grade guy. I liked to get straight A's. I mean, that had been motivating forever. I wasn't so much into learning, 
But I learned from him that what was important was the learning, not the grades that you received. Just one thing I'll remember about him, when we first came in for our first class with him, he was had us sitting in a circle. He was sitting at the front of the class, and he said nothing. It was time for the class to start. He said nothing. Minutes came. We started talking nervously with each other, and he said nothing. We were just there, and for the whole class period, he said nothing. He was trying to make a point, which was what we were going to get out of this class would be what we did. He was a resource for us, but we had to learn. So I've kind of tried not to that extreme, but teach my students that Learning, not grades, are what matters. Mm, I bet that was that would have been so strange. I think <laughs> to sit there so long. It was really a kind of nerve wracking there. I bet, I bet. You know, as you were saying this, I'm. I can picture forty, fifty years from now, someone on a podcast, or who knows what it will be fifty years from now, but saying that Dr. Jeff Hill was the professor that changed their life and helped them become who they are. I'm sure that will happen. You're so nice. (laughs) You're making me sad, though. You're making me sad to be leaving this. I want to be (laughs) just excited about retiring. So then you, you graduated, you came back and did an occupational... Organizational behavior, yeah. Organizational behavior. Then you went to USU and became a PhD in family life. And you came back to BYU to teach in the School of Family Life. And that was like your dream job. You've been wanting to do that forever, right? Not forever, but since my organizational behavior degree. And so let me just share briefly. uh, When I first had the idea of being a family professor at BYU, in the organizational behavior degree, as I studied about theories to motivate people in the workplace— I realized those theories applied better in the family than they did in the workplace. And so I had an experience in my master's program. One of my colleagues was Alan Hawkins, who is now my colleague in the School of Family Life. But we both got together and realized that our greater contribution could be to families rather than to big corporations. In that program, Alan and I gave numerous presentations about the importance of fathers in the home. And so after that organizational behavior degree, both of us felt that our calling, that we could best use our talents in something related to family. So that's actually the first time I thought of being a family professor at BYU was was back then. So that's kind of hmm. the background of where that came from. So the theories of how to run a business mm-hmm. you recognize could be really influential and even better in running a family. That's right. And Organizational behavior is not about the nuts and bolts of business, but it's how you motivate employees to make their best contribution. And I realize those theories work even better motivating children (laughs) to make their best contribution to life. 
quote was more in motivation, motivating children. So in parenting, not so much in the marriage relationship, more in the parenting relationship. That's what I was thinking of at that time. And of course, I, I had lots of small children at that time. Mm-hmm. There's a lot about communication in organizational behavior that's very health, healthy for marriages particularly as well. It was like, yeah, this is a way, rah, rah, we can get our family on board together with these things. Cool. So then you came to BYU and you were going to start teaching in the School of Family Life. Were you so excited? I was so very excited because it was really a miracle that I got hired at BYU. You know, as I have mentioned, I this is my second career. I was 25 years with IBM. And so to become a BYU professor, it was it was just so absolutely amazing. You know, people liked me at IBM, but when I came to BYU and standing in front of 250 students in the Kimball Tower, and they're hanging on my every word. It was just so fun. And I know you have that that experience. I can see when you're teaching an auditorium full of students just really puts a light in your eyes, and it just lightened my heart. And I had to take a significant pay cut from IBM to BYU. But after the first semester... And all those thank you notes came in, thank you emails, thank you, Dr. Hill, for changing my life. I knew it was worth every penny that I had to sacrifice to come to BYU. It was just kind of an amazing experience. There's nothing like teaching a room full of BYU students. Absolutely love it. It just is very enlivening. Yeah, it is. I agree. I love it, too. So what are one or two specific blessings that you feel like have come to you personally through your experiences teaching at BYU? Oh, so much. You know, I always tell people that I have the dream job. So let me, I'll just share a couple of blessings. When you're in front of a lot of students and you prayerfully are in front of those students, a lot of times when you're up up there and teaching, insights come to you. It's like the Spirit kind of washes over you, and you hear yourself say things that you hadn't thought of saying. And a great blessing was those insights and promptings and impressions that were meant to bless the students often applied to my own family. I know like Tammy and I, when we remarried and and, you know, it's it's a hard thing to blend families. A lot of times there would be insights just when I'm in front of the class about maybe things that we could change a little bit. Uh, more likely, it was things that I need to change about myself. And I think the conduit to that was because of my job. It's because I was teaching about those very areas. And so I would say the the most important thing that happened, the best blessing was just that those things I was teaching could be used directly in helping us navigate family challenges. And so uh, I really appreciate that. The other big blessing is, and I say this in my classes, when you use your time, talents, and treasure for things that are truly of value, you claim joy. 
when we use those talents to bless God's children, you feel joy. And so teaching, it feels like I'm making a difference. And that's really at the heart of joy. It's so fun for me to be at Costco, and here's a woman with three kids in the shopping cart, and she kind of runs to catch up to me and says, "Uh, Dr. Hill, I was in your class 10 years ago, and I want you to know as I'm raising these kids that I always remember something that you've said, and it's been very helpful to me. And when I hear that, it's just like resonates in my heart. It makes me feel so happy. I know you feel that same way. And I'll have to say that as often as not, people will run up to me and say, are you Tammy Hill's husband? <laughs> and I'll oh, say, stop. And I'll say uh, <laughs> yes. And they say, well, tell Tammy that she's changed my life. Or they'll come up to me and say, oh, Dr. Hill, you're one of my favorite teachers. I'm in your wife's class now, and she's my favorite. So they'll say things like that. <laughs> Oh, well, I get it just the opposite way. So, (laughs) well, Jeff, I, you know, there's a lot of people who are choosing right now to step away from the church and who have had some problems with uh, maybe some different decisions or lack of decisions made in describing what, what family or marriage really means. And so, I think I would really like you to share how you've chosen to stay centered in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It isn't easy, especially I think it isn't easy when life doesn't go as planned. And both of us can say our lives haven't gone as planned. But how have you chosen to stay centered and what practices do you use to strengthen your beliefs? Well, I I think the key thing about all of this, staying centered, is my sure testimony that God hears and answers prayers. So to keep myself centered, it's a daily practice. And it's maybe atypical from a lot of people. We're always taught to say our prayers, read our scriptures. But what I found is that on my knees, for me personally, I don't have that great of prayers. I fall asleep or my mind wanders. I work a lot better when I say my prayers as I'm moving as I'm walking. So the practice that has helped me stay centered is uh, we live by the Bonneville Shoreline Trail. And every morning, usually between 4 and 5.30 in the morning, I walk up to the Bonneville Shoreline Trail and, and pray. And every day I pray that I can be sensitive to and follow the promptings of the Holy Ghost and be the answer to someone's prayers. And that has often happened. And with daily connection in that way, I do stay centered. Now, are there challenges to my faith? No, but there are challenges in uh, the policies of the church that sometimes frustrate me and that I wish were different. That said, I have such a strong testimony within my heart of the truthfulness of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that those frustrating things about policies, I choose to not let into my heart. And so I guess it's been said, uh, I try to feed my faith 
and not my doubts. And I think that's how I've said also, I'm really into that. We keep the commandments and we're blessed. We're prospered when we keep the commandments. And so I, I'll admit that sometimes I'm discouraged again about some of the policies in the church, but I don't let that discouragement lead me to, to do anything, to, diso- to not be obedient to the commandments. And as I do so, that's very helpful. And as you know, you've been a good influence on me as far as the temple goes. Being in the temple every week is another way, and oftentimes with you, is another way that keeps me centered. And so, you know, as I've taught at BYU, because I have this strong faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's kind of a, I like to call it a virtuous cycle instead of a vicious cycle. I have these feelings, and then I share them in my classes, and then it gives me stronger feelings, and then I share that in my family, and it gives me stronger feelings. So I think another thing is expressing the faith that I have has also kept me centered in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So those are some of the ways. Is Are the policies of the church perfect? I don't know, but not according to me. There are some things I would change. Generally, is the church wonderful? Yes, it is. Do I have a testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Yes, I do. So I choose to focus on the things about the church that I love and my testimony and not emphasize so much maybe those things that I disagree with. Yeah, I I feel like I do the same thing. So when you look back over your experience, what do you hope your students will remember about you? Well, I hope that they'll remember that there was this old guy at BYU that loved them, that cared about them, and that loved the Lord. I hope they'll remember that. I hope that they'll remember a few of the things that I've taught. And that with the conduit of the Spirit, that just when they need those things in their lives, they'll remember things maybe that they heard in class, and maybe not even things that I said, but things that they experienced in class because of the Spirit. I hope that they will remember me with fondness, because I will certainly remember them. I absolutely love my students, and especially There are several students that I've gotten to know very well that actually I would consider now to be some of my very best friends. And so I'm just so appreciative for the chance that I've had to be here at BYU. Jeff, this is the Live Your Why podcast, and I always ask my guests if they will kind of finish up each podcast telling us about your why. Can you tell us about your why, Jeff? Sure. And of course, this isn't a surprise to me because I'm married to you and we've talked about things like this, but I have a real concise why. why. I thought about it before coming on the podcast today. And my why is to strengthen families beginning with my own. So as I look at how am I going to spend my day, where am I going to spend my money, when I can use that time, when I can use that, those resources, when I can use the talents that God has given me in a way that will strengthen families, beginning with my own, 
I feel like I will be fulfilling my why. And I think that that is the formula for claiming joy in in this life, and I think that's what we're about. That's what God wants us to do. They want us to to claim joy. And I would just say, Tammy, I love this podcast. I often listen to you at the gym, and I think it's so profound what you do to help people be centered, to help people live aligned, to help people avoid the gulf of misery by living aligned according to their why. This is a message that needs to be out. Thank you so much for what you do with your Live Your Why podcast. Thank you, sweetheart. I sure love you. I sure love you, too. Love you a lot. Thanks for joining me. Thank you very much for this opportunity.